Nobody wants to say goodbye, but sometimes it's for the best. We sit down and talk with Jennifer Starr of Going With Grace and our own Dr. Stephanie Albrecht about end-of-life care and how we can do right by our pets whose time is growing short. All that and more on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro, and yes, indeed, welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the room we call the Fish Bowl here at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit organization whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks who are in need. And today we're doing something a little different. We've got two interviews for you, both pertaining to a persnickety subject, talking about when our pet's time with us is growing short. No pet news, no end segment, just a couple of conversations about what it means to give your pet their best life and knowing when the time comes that you've shown them how much you care and made memories to remember. So let's head into our first interview with Jennifer Starr of Going With Grace. Jennifer Starr started Fix Your Images in 2005 doing photo restoration. She eventually moved into pet photography and then in 2012 established Going With Grace, a division of her business meant to provide a professional quality photo shoot for senior or critically ill pets. We've got her on the podcast today to talk about her work and why it's important to pay attention to those different life stages. Welcome to Pet Resource Radio, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you. Let's uh, let's just jump right in. What was the what was the impetus in starting going with Grace? Yeah, so when I first started taking photos of pets, I just I noticed there was a pattern of clients who would ask me to have their pets photographed due to an illness. So a lot of people would say their pet was just diagnosed with cancer or some unexplained illness, and they realized they really wanted some photographs to cherish. So. Um, after I received so many requests like that, I knew there was a demand for just a special type of session, and I wanted to really celebrate each pet's life and then the bond they have with their owner. So I created Going With Grace, um, and I offer custom photography for not only critically ill pets, but also senior pets um, at a reduced rate. So I'm hoping that um, that discount encourages more people to photograph their pets. I know so many are juggling end-of-life care expenses um, as well. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Abby a little bit? Sure, yes, Abby. Um, she is a very special dog. We still miss her a lot. Um, she crossed the Rainbow Bridge in 2018, a few years ago. She actually brought me and my husband together uh, back in 2012. So we met at a local dog park. And she was only five then. Um, and over the years, she developed some health issues like Cushing's disease and some complications from various surgeries that she'd underwent. Um, and then when she was about 11, our vet told us they didn't want to put her through her routine dental cleaning. And after that, I realized um, that I really needed to take an updated photo of her and compare it to the very first photo I took of her. Right. And so once I did that side by side comparison, um, I just, I couldn't ignore the, the decline of her health. And so I really, I, I really encourage everyone listening to photograph their pet too over the years, not only for those lasting memories, but to remind yourself of the state of their health. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And because honestly, that photo that I saw, because I saw the, the the comparison there, and yeah, it is one of those things where you kind of realize in that moment, like, oh my gosh, like this is a dog. This mm-hmm. is this is an older dog. Um, yeah, yeah. What what do you think? What is a session usually like? 
Sure. So, um, so I'll start by photographing just your pet. And then once they're kind of comfortable with the camera, I invite family members in if they're, if they're there and if they'd like to have some posed shots, but then really, I think the true magic really happens when people are interacting candidly and they forget I'm there. Right. So like the favorite moments that I capture are those, you know, impromptu kisses and loving gazes that, that, you know, go on during the session. And, um, you know, I really try to ensure every session is celebrating your pet's life. Um, we do occasionally get a little teary eyed at the end of the session, but I really try to um, keep everything upbeat and positive. Right. Because it's in, I mean, ideally it would be a celebration of your pet's life and of the bond that you share. And, and even though there is something kind of looming on the horizon, it, it really is a, an occasion to kind of celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, how do you, you know, I do marketing here, so I spend all my time behind a desk and I don't interact with people a ton. So I can't imagine what it would be like to go and do pet photography and do those kinds of sessions. Like, how do you how do you handle things like compassion fatigue? Yeah, so compassion fatigue is very real. Um, you know, these sessions do take a toll on my heart. Um my heart's heavy after I read these session requests. So people who are writing me and kind of explaining and pouring their heart out sure. about their dog, you know, I, I'm very empathetic to that and, and I understand what they're going through. And then, you know, it's, it's hard during the session and then probably even harder after the session when they'll tell me if their pet has passed. Um, yeah. But I, I do, despite all that, I, I remain passionate about this service just because I see how much these photos mean to people, especially after they say goodbye. So, you know, it's those heartfelt messages that people will write telling me how thankful they are that really keep me strong. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally see that being the case. Um, yeah. um, <clears throat> do you have uh, any anecdotes you want to share about about certain sessions or pets that have touched you or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. So I really do mean it when I say every pet that I photograph does have a special place in my heart and I remember them forever. Um, I add them to my website in my in memory section with their name. Um, but I guess I can talk about my most recent session, um, specifically. So I met, uh, and photographed a dog named Vinny 10 years ago, um, at a local rescue when I was photographing dogs up for adoption. And so one of my coworkers at the time saw that photo yeah, spoke to her heart and their family ended up adopting him, gave him a wonderful life, very spoiled. Um, and so, you know, we've kept in touch over the years and she reached out to me a few weeks ago, um, because she already knew about my service and Mm -hmm. she was suddenly, uh, out of the blue, just given, uh, only a few days or weeks for him to live. And so, um, you know, those kind of emergency session requests are, are not uncommon, sure, um, sure. unfortunately for me. And, and after that, it just further reminded me, you know, um, and I, I'm honored that people trust me with those delicate moments in their life. And, and it was also a reminder how time sensitive these sessions are. So he actually crossed the rainbow bridge just four days after that session. Oh, wow. And so that, yeah, so <laughs> that really, um, you know, still kind of gets to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, most of the time we're talking about uh, dogs when it comes to your services. But then, what about cats? You do cats as well. I do. Uh, I do photograph cats. I've actually even photographed um, a pig and horses as well. Oh wow! And that's that's including you know this type of session. So um, one of the more memorable ones I've had was a. Um, I think like a 20 year old horse that I did. Um, so any, any pet is capable of being photographed for sure. 
Are there any special tricks for dealing with cats as opposed to dealing with dogs or is it all the same? Oh, cats. They are, they are more <laughs> tough for sure because they're not as motivated by my treats or my noises. Right. So <laughs> I will dedicate more time just kind of following them around in their natural element, um, you know, using the little feather toys or the laser light, right. um, that kind of thing. So they're, they have their own uh, little nuances, but um, they're super fun to photograph as well. Do you have any tips or tricks for folks at, uh, at home who are trying to get good pictures of their pets? Absolutely. So I always say my two secrets are treats and squeaky toys. So yeah. I never take pet photos without a bag of pepperoni, um, which is uh, just a treat that dogs tend to really enjoy. And then I have like a bone-shaped rubber squeaker toy that fits in my hand so I can kind of balance uh, you know, my camera and, and squeaking at the same time. So Typically, your pet's going to be motivated motivated by one of those two items. Um, and so I guess my best tips for you, if you're shooting at home just with your phone, um, I would have you ha- um, have your dog sit for a treat, and then you hold the treat kind of near the lens of your phone mm-hmm. so they look your direction. So usually a pet is very, very intrigued by that treat, and they will stare at you <laughs> at least so you can at least get them facing your direction because a lot of times a pet just can't focus. They'll be running around or not looking at you, and that's the common issue I hear from people who are trying to take photos of their own pet is their pet just won't sit still. Yeah. So I do find that treats really, really help in that. And then um, I also, if you, if anyone's ever had a session with me, they'll uh, have known about my insanely like high pitched noises that I make. So I make just really <laughs> um, crazy noises that get that dog to do an animated head tilt usually mm-hmm. because it'll just be such a, such a high crazy voice. So those are, those are probably my, my biggest secrets on getting the best photos. Those are pretty, yeah, I I would say, because we use some of those here when we're in the marketing department, um, when we're trying to get pictures of pets. Um, My co-host Sierra in particular has a squeaker that she loves to use and that uh, has served her very well. But it's also amazing. Uh, Other people will make high-pitched noises when they're trying to get pictures. So when someone's trying to take a picture around here, you know it because there's like three people making high-pitched noises trying to get a dog (laughs) in a certain direction. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so, but if people want to find out more about your work or they want to schedule a session, uh, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to my website. It's www.petsgoingwithgrace.com or my email is jennifer at fixyourimages.com. That's fantastic. Uh, jennifer Starr, thank you so much for being on Pet Resource Radio today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Talking with Jennifer, we realized how important it is for folks to think about end-of-life care for their pets, and who better to have on our show today other than Dr. Stephanie Albrecht, our very own. Dr. Steph, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. So what's something you would want everyone to know about the end-of-life care for pets? I think the most important is to not think of it in the sad way, but think of it just like the details you focus on when you get the new puppy. You're focusing on how can you make their life and their the rest of their life just as wonderful as it did when it started in the beginning. And so when we're talking about end-of-life care, we aren't just talking about pets who are critically ill, but also senior pets who are reaching the end of their natural lifespan. So how old does a dog or cat have to be to be considered a senior? 
Well, I take this question kind of with a grain of salt, and I I know a lot of owners kind of think the same thing because you can have a 12-year-old dog that acts still like a puppy. You think of the (laughs) happy-go-lucky labs. Um, But we kind of have a general benchmark. So for dogs specifically, our large or giant breeds like our Great Danes, they tend to age a little bit faster than our others. Um, And so when we're looking between seven and nine, they're starting to get into that senior stage. Um, when we're looking at small breeds, such as like a Chihuahua, they tend to age a little bit slower, um, and they tend to be more like a 10 to 15 year old when, uh, we're starting to think of them as seniors. Cats are similar to those small dogs. Um, cats lifespan tends to be a little bit longer, even than our small dogs. Um, but I still kind of think of them, me personally, in that 10 to 15, that they're in that senior stage, but Like I said, I have a 13-year-old little wiener dog at home myself, and he still acts like a puppy most days. So I'm kind of on the fence when I say exactly when you consider them a senior. Yeah, I see that same thing in my pets myself because they're just off the walls (laughs) 24-7. What are some good ways that people can keep tabs on their pet's quality of life? Well, and coming from the veterinary aspect, you can imagine I'd say vet visits. I think the most important is having a good working relationship, just like you do with your own uh, medical doctor, having a good relationship with your veterinarian so that they can understand because it's hard for me in a day to see all the little things that you may see at home. So if you notice that we're slowing down a little bit or we're not eating like we normally do or seem uncomfortable about something, please relay that because that can absolutely help us to better help your pet. Um, so getting those regular vet visits in. And another important thing as we, as the pet ages is to think about a list of importance. Um, there's a few different sites that you will see, and um, I'll provide these links to um, so that we can have that associated. But thinking of three to five important things that are for your pet, and every pet's very different, Maybe we will not miss a meal kind of idea, or we love to play ball or any of those kind of things. Making that list just so you have it physically written down to always keep in mind, because there will come a day when you're trying to decide where we go next and you want to know what um, what are the most important things and help to kind of take a little bit of that emotion out of there because you have a physical list. Yeah, and the hardest question is, How do folks know when it's time? What can we ask of our vets to help us sort of prepare for that day? So going back to that list of importance, so there are a few different sites, but um, one's from Ohio State Vet University. They actually have a form out, and if you're more analytical-brained, it helps you to kind of do a number system of good quality of life versus the poor quality of life. So it lets you physically see where your pet is at. And there's a few other forms that way. But the other step I tend to recommend is just having, again, that conversation with your vet and uh, making sure that they um, are also on task with each thing that you're going through and what you're feeling. Um, I do caution to um, be aware that a lot of people nowadays go to online sources to get their feedback and that, that can be hard because not everybody's pet's in the same situation, not every person's in the same situation as far as what they're dealing with. So taking a general um, response won't help you out in those situations. So I definitely say reach out to a more comfortable source such as your vet. 
And are there any resources you would direct people towards if they want to learn more or read more about this topic? Um, so starting with that Ohio State, but also um, thinking about there's a couple different websites such as petloss.com. They do a lot of work as far as having ceremonies because I know that we're segregated right now. So it makes it kind of hard to deal with that grieving process and that decision process. Um, so I also highly recommend um, being able to just reach out. Actually, the University of Missouri, um, they actually have a pet loss support group. And so they actually will help talk through. Um, they have counselors as to helping determine that day. So if you're not getting the resources or the information that you're finding helpful, testing them or talking through it with them will help you out a great deal. Um, they also often recommend um, just kind of, again, going through that list, but spending some time just internally thinking about what you're feeling for that pet. Um, uh, one more thing I did want to mention is... Um, we talked about how do you prepare for that day or how do you, again, decide that day. Um, I often recommend to make sure that it's better to have them pass and scheduled and you're prepared for it versus it being unprepared. Because unprepared is a scary, unorganized, and it can make it not what it should be. We have a number of veterinarians um, in our Kansas City area that actually will come into the home and do that procedure for you, which is tends to be a lot better for the pet because they're not scared. They're not in an unknown place, um, and they can talk through that process with you. And just getting that information ahead of time, you don't have to decide at that moment, but knowing what their procedure is will help to kind of calm and prepare you for that um, talk and that next step. So reaching out to those sources um, just to kind of help with that next plan. And I also recommend um, if you're coming to that point, um, we had talked about those end-of-life pictures, but also just getting to do all those things that you love to do. I had a client that um, had a pet that unfortunately was diagnosed with a type of terminal cancer. And so she started every day. They'd actually go to McDonald's and get a cheap little hamburger, and that was his special treat. And she knew that food was his number one favorite thing. And so when he was having trouble being able to eat that burger, enjoy that burger like he normally should, it helped her to kind of know. But it gave him a kind of a little fun car ride and got to sit and got to do those things. So, again, any of those kind of things will help as far as that process. And the last thing I'd like to express is that when you're going through this decision, um, don't ever have anybody feel like or tell you how to feel about it because everybody grieves differently. Everybody handles situations differently. And so that's why I very much want um, you to reach out to people that um, help to support you. If you're getting negative or unkind comments or anything like that, um, please get away from that energy is not something that you need. So that is um, an important part of this whole deal um, to make sure that you're handling it in the best way because they are definitely parts of our family and you want to handle that in an appropriate way. And also thinking about your other pets at home because they are also going to be going through grieving. Um, I pre just recently actually lost a kitty and <laughs> my, my dog at home honestly couldn't have cared less. But that's not every pet because yeah. um, how their dynamic and how their relationship is. So you may have to work through that with your pet also to just make sure that they are also understanding what's going on and that they have support. So continuing with a more normal routine to help them work through it also. 
And don't think that you have to get a new pet right away to replace the other play pet and that you are replacing another pet because that is all not things that you need to think about. You need to think about how do you make yourself the strongest and how do you keep your household and your, your family unit happy. Yeah, and another thing too is sometimes because that feeling so hard is like people don't want to get another pet. So almost the opposite of getting one right away. It's like my mom, for example, she's like, yeah, I think I'm done because our last dog, it was so hard for her to go through. And then she lost um, our other dog like two, three years before that. And so she's like, yeah, it's too much at one time. But I'm like, mom, you know, you, you literally your entire life has been pets. Just mm-hmm. give yourself some time. And if, and if you really do want to, if it's worth it, you should give another pet another shot, you know? So, And there are so many wonderful rescue groups here in the Kansas City area yep. that will also work with you as far as if you decide you can trial and see if that works in your family unit. Um, again, so that way you don't feel rushed or forced into a decision. So um, definitely use all these different resources. Kansas City is wonderful for that as far as having lots of different options and availability. Do you have any other final thoughts? I know like this is the hardest part for pet owners. Yes, it's hard for pet owners, yes, and it's also hard for the vets. I can't say that this is a conversation that we love having, as you can probably imagine, but it's an important one, and so please Mm -hmm. use us. um, And if you, again, find any reason that you're not getting the conversation or the discussion that you want, reach out. There are also many vets, and there's, just like anybody else, some of us um, have the ability to discuss it and to perform it in better ways than others, and so to make sure it's what you need it to be and so that it's um, a good end-of-life procedure. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Steph, for taking the time to sit down with us today. We really appreciate it. We understand how busy you are, but it's really an important topic that we need to talk about as pet lovers, pet owners, people who work in animal welfare. So thank you. No problem. So there you have it, friends. It's not always the most fun topic to have conversations about, but it's important to do right by our furry friends, so it needs to be talked about. All of us here at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City have had to make that hard decision to let a pet go when the time has come. It isn't an easy thing to deal with, which is why we wanted to put this episode out there and have this conversation in hopes that folks approach the life of their pet with clear eyes and appreciate every precious moment they have together. Big, big thanks to Jennifer Starr and Dr. Stephanie Albrecht for being on the show today. To check out Jennifer's work or set up an appointment with her, just head on over to PetsGoingWithGrace.com. As for us, we're a nonprofit organization just trying to keep pets and people together. And you can help. Just head over to prckc.org and you can donate, volunteer, look at our Amazon wish list, and more. So until next time, friends, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as Will Rogers said, if there are no dogs in heaven, then when I die, want to go where they went. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted and produced by Sierra Howe and myself, David Shapiro, written, recorded, mixed, and edited by David Shapiro. Music by Hazel Rod Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash hazelrodmusicalindustries. Music